Coming up on Verse Course Verse, Sven, it's already time to drink because I have a question <laughs> for you. <laughs> Do you slap it a bass? I like it a slap at a bass. Okay, that's not <laughs> Episode 67. Welcome. We will call this the Basisode. Yeah. I am DL. With me is Sven Six String Knutson. Sven, how are you tonight? I just realized that in two more episodes, I get to giggle <laughs> like like I did when, when I was like a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> I love that you already did this two episodes I'm ago. counting down, dude. I am counting down. <laughs> Since are. like 59, we I've been counting down, I think. <laughs> Every time we do a promo, I'm well, like, only... oh, this many more. You're going to have to record just you laughing and I'll edit it into the episode. <laughs> We're here and season one. We did a drum episode where we had our good buddy Brent on yeah. to talk about drums which was super fun. The next instrument that we really wanted to talk about was bass because Sven and I are both massive mm-hmm. bass fans and we thought that us two would be proficient enough. I would see this as your primary instrument. Is that fair or do you think it's sax? Uh, yeah, definitely not saxophone anymore, even though that was my major. It's what I wanted to be when I grew up. I haven't actually played saxophone in at least 15 years. Oh, shit. Actually really? sit down and practice. I only have mm. one saxophone anymore. It uh, doesn't really get out of its case very much, maybe once a year. What do you play more now, bass or I guitar? I play drums more than anything now. Oh, shit. But bass is still my favorite. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's the coolest instrument, so how could it not be my favorite? It really is. It's been a little bit of a bitch in a very good way the last few odd episodes. There's been some harder stuff to study. We did a quick fire where there was a lot of kind of in-depth indie music. We did 94, which was overwhelming. Yeah. We did... Jen Batten, which was just just nerve-wracking. Then we just start making a playlist of really good bass songs. Yeah. I had so much fun, quote-unquote, studying for this episode. Just remembering bass and how much I fucking love bass, dude. The playlist that you sent over, funny thing happened when I first started listening to it. I was listening to it on Spotify. You know how Spotify does that thing where when it gets to the end of the playlist, I don't know if it always does this or if it's setting it just like starts a radio. Yeah. A radio station based on the playlist. I didn't know that it had done that. So I just keep getting more and more songs. And I'm like, Jesus, David, how long how many many songs? We're gonna be talking we're gonna be going through songs for like two hours here. Yeah. Once I set that straight, then I was like, hey, can I add a few to these? Because there's a few that um I thought of that yeah. Very good ones. But yeah, that's what we're going to do tonight. We're just going to geek out on an instrument. We don't really get to do that enough. I'd say this is an episode geared a little toward more the uber-mensch nerds, but uh, I think others will still love it. All the bands that were taught, most of the bands I'd say we're going to talk about, songs and stuff are songs everybody loves. It's not just bass players. Maybe it'll bring awareness to the most underappreciated artists in every band, which is the bass player. Good way to say that, because I think uh, we'll get into my feelings on where the bass sits and belongs in the band. Mm -hmm. We will. It's going to be good. I also want to come back. I did this about the same time last year, and we had realized that there were some specific listeners that had become pretty devoted you could count on them to write you and let you know how they felt about each episode and from the very beginning and it's grown over the last officially well over a year now we've got even more people that tend to contact us every single episode rain or shine just a shout out to all of you when i start getting the stuff rolling in on monday and tuesday and wednesday it really makes me happy and i love it when they yell at you if it's something super nice (laughs) <laughs> yes. I love getting on Instagram and seeing lots of exclamation, like all caps and exclamation marks. That was a good episode. Yeah. I like that Mark Kowal is really the only one that will chastise me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, it'll be like an email or be like, a, did you think about this before you? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I just didn't care. 
Mark's the only one that'll just go for broke and be like, hey, idiot, uh, which I love. Yeah. But yeah, thank you to all the dedicated, I don't like saying fans. I was listeners. Listeners. That's a better word. We're never going to have fans. Sven. I actually We're... just got rid of a fan upstairs <laughs> in my living room. We took out the ceiling fan and put in some recessed lighting. Just I'm losing fans. That's such a dad joke. <laughs> what was the kick-ass PBS house? Sh- uh, this old house. This old house. Yeah, that was... That was a great show. I mean, between that, Bob Vila. yeah, between between Bob Vila and Bob Ross, like the Bobs, like kept me. Yeah, I probably smoked too much weed back then too. <laughs> well, speaking of substance abuse, let's get to the most important part of the night. Sven, what are you drinking? I found this awesome beer, and if we ever, we should sometime start doing this thing where we take an entire year worth of music and like dissect the music that was released that year Spend. and we should do this year 1985 Spend, we do that we do I that found... like three times a year well evil and i do that well, this is 1985 <laughs> and i'm gonna drink it it's a beer new belgium <laughs> made a voodoo ranger for all you hop heads like so me. the last year we did was 86 i know so we were very close i know i i um, do pay attention you know what it looks like it looks like the ratatat tiger the the who oh it's a skull it's a, yeah oh, it's like this a, whole series oh, of okay. voodoo ranger beers that they do all have like all right. a skeleton guy dressed up in i don't know sometimes he's a pilot sometimes he's got this weird cobra jacket thing on I 80 like it. sunglasses that it's a good IPA. I I have a beer just to write. Well, it's a good beer. It's a Modelo Negro. I also have a. It's called a Kentucky Christmas. I was getting a Instagram a vinyl photo ready for next week, and so I made this. It's actually pretty good. All it is is. Does it have cranberry? Um, yeah. Do you like cranberry? I love cranberry. So all it is is cranberry juice. I put some actual cranberries in there, and then bourbon. That's it. And it's really good. Ah, see, um, I always do the vodka. I, I did not know that bourbon would go well. It's good. Yeah. What's it called again? Kentucky Christmas. Kentucky Christmas. Next time I make one, I'm going to throw a little soda water in there. I think it'd even be a little better. Yeah. Add a little carb. Yeah. It's good. That's what we're drinking tonight. One more question for you, Sven. Is your vinyl player in your living room? Yes. This seems like a random... It is. It is, in the living room. Where do you keep your vinyls? Are they maintained under your record player? Do you have a shelving unit? Where yes, do you sir. keep your records? Yeah, the, the gotcha. whole thing sits on a shelving unit. And I've actually lost some vinyl to my dogs because <gasps> of that decision. Ooh. And so now when we leave, we barricade the vinyl with chairs and stuff. <laughs> That's really bad. The Yes record, well, I think we're going to talk about a song on it here in a little bit. Um, yeah. That record was chewed up. Um, oh, I lost. No. I lost one of two Magical Mystery Tour copies. Yikes. And then also a Warren Zavon record. The record wasn't damaged, but the jackets just chewed all around the corners that really sucks yeah yeah it just needs to be accessible and i don't want to put it in like bedroom or down in my office or somewhere else because yeah i don't know it's, that's my situation yeah and I'm, i promise everybody this is going somewhere so i have a try 1975 home where it's the split level where you walk in you have you your have main level but then yeah you can either go up or downstairs immediately if you want to and downstairs, I have my music studio where I keep all my vinyl. But then upstairs in the living room was where I keep my vinyl player, my good vinyl player. And well, you have more than one? I do. I have three vinyl players. Oh, my goodness. I have an old classic one. I have a cheap one. And then I have a, a nice one. I'm, like, jealous. Yeah, good. Um, I've got a, I got a hand-me-down. Hey, there's nothing wrong with hand-me-downs. Which I love. Yeah. Threw a new cartridge on there, and it's awesome so anyway what i needed was i will say that i found this thing online by q78 cue78 which is this vinyl holder it's just this wooden vinyl holder that can display it says up to 70 albums i I would use it more for like five or six they asked if they could send one to me i could try it out i did i really like it it's real wood you know what i mean you know when you get something and you're like Right. Oh, this is plasticky. It's crap covered in like a sticker that looks like wood. Exactly. No, this is like yeah. real actual good smelling lacquered wood. 
And it's just a display. And now I like it because it lays out right by my vinyl. And then when I'm getting ready for the weekend, I'll just grab like 10 vinyls that I want to listen to in the weekend, bring it up, put it on there. It's a really cool little thing. Ah. I'm plugging it because, you know, that's what we do now. When you have a podcast, you got to plug shit. You got to become kind of a whore. Yeah. And I'm okay with being a whore when I like the product. Yeah. Especially for music. Yes. Yeah. And it's a very good product. So I would recommend for any, if any of you that are in that same kind of situation as me that want something that's simple, kind of cool, wood, old school, go to their Instagram at Q78Vinyl. So it's C-U-E-7-8 underscore vinyl. And you can see what they look like. They have a bunch of other stuff. They have a bunch of vinyl care. They have like vinyl hangers. They haven't really started advertising these displays yet because they are they were trying to get it out to people to see if they liked it or not. Yeah. I really do. It fits it fits my situation perfectly. Nice. And maybe if you had a few vinyl you didn't want your dog to eat, you could put them up higher, so, right? Yeah. Q78 vinyl. Yeah. Everybody go check those out if you like it, get it. And now that I've plugged this, maybe they'll send my good buddy Sven one for free. Hey. <laughs> If not, my dogs will just keep eating vinyl. Yeah. Sven, I'm ready. I'm excited. Let's uh, take a break so we can talk about some bass. We'll be right back. <laughs> we are back. We also, Sven and I are going to play it. I feel like the people at home should play along. Yeah. Sven decided before this episode that we should probably have to drink every time we say the word slap. Why would I decide that? Because you are a masochist. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a good game. I have a feeling that's going to be said quite a bit. I think it's going to be fun. I'm going to do my best. To use alternative terminology, it's my challenge to myself. I want to start with you specifically, because when I met you, I think the bass was just becoming your instrument. Well, you know it how it seemed that, like you. It was because you be, of you. Okay, <laughs> I so would say tell, it was so, because of you. Maybe I was a sax player forever and a, a guitar player forever. It wasn't that I hadn't played bass, but never considered myself a bass player. We used to play, and I'd play on all sorts of stuff. I'd play guitar. I'd play, you know, saxophone on it, a few things. Yeah. But it always felt like if there wasn't a bass, something was missing. Oh, totally. And so when it was just like you and me and Brent when we did the trio thing, whatever that summer was where we first started playing. Mm-hmm. It was the bridge between what you did on guitar and what Brent would do on drums. And that's something that holds true for bass in almost every setting. Yeah, it's like the everything instrument. It ties things together because you can be melodic, you can play chords, you can be rhythmic. I could copy yeah. your guitar riffs, but I could also copy Brent's drum groove. I wasn't like out front and I could kind of just hang back but also felt like I was adding a pretty critical component to everything that was going on. Totally. You know? When you are jazz trained the way that we were, mm-hmm. I think you you automatically, instinctively, even subconsciously almost begin to respect the bass. I think so. The bass is so important, but like most forms of music, maybe underappreciated, yeah. But the bass in jazz specifically, it's just always there. Yeah. I mean, even more than the drums half the time, yeah. always making sure that the song stays where it needs it's to be. Moving. Yeah. You could you could totally argue in a lot of jazz settings, and I think this applies to anything that has come from the jazz world. So, you know, I would include rock, I would include any funk, any kind of things that have its roots in blues and jazz. Mm-hmm where you could argue that the bass is almost more of the heartbeat than the drums. Totally. Totally out of left field for a lot of people. Everyone think of, you know, the drummer is the heartbeat. They keep the time. They keep the beat. And while that is... That is a primary function. You could remove drums and that becomes the bass player's job. Absolutely. There was a time in my life where I felt I was learning, getting better at music and instruments the fastest. And that was when... I would play jazz guitar through 
notation. At that time, I, I was really, really in love with upright bass. And I would dink around with upright a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was also back in the days where we were just, we just hung out in like choir rooms and stuff all day. So you'd just dink around on pianos and stuff. Yeah. But there was something about playing the upright bass that made you be so in tune with whatever song you were playing. Yeah. It's really hard to explain, yeah. but anybody that's played it before, I think, knows what I'm talking about. The physical nature of the upright, or, or some people mm-hmm. call it the double bass, the massive size of it, you're physically involving your body in ways that you wouldn't with like a smaller instrument. Yeah, I think it definitely has how many hip-hop songs and even like now like even some edm songs and stuff sample upright acoustic bass are you a soul coughing Um, fan oh i am but like i have totally forgotten so anybody that that is not a big soul coughing person go check them out they are one of the very few rock groups that uses pretty strictly upright and uh, holy shit, yeah. it is yeah. unbelievably good. If you want to go all the way into like the orchestral type of stuff, there's some playing with a bow. The possibilities with tone and what you can do with texture with a bow and things on an upright bass, a double bass, it's pretty yeah. amazing. And, and I always feel bad because every song in some orchestra, especially like younger players, get stuck with the most boring parts, but they could do so much with that instrument, you know? When you started playing the bass, like when we started playing a bunch together and we started doing gigs and things like that, you got really good really quickly. I mean, we were playing... Yeah, cover. We were playing like "My Name Is Mud," Chili Peppers covers, and stuff like and that. We did uh... for anybody that plays covers. Those are not easy songs to play on the bass. How did you learn that stuff? For all you young folk out there, there was no YouTube back then. <laughs> That's you right. Just, you couldn't Google, "Hey, here's how you play My Name Is Mud." Yeah. Here's how you double tap, and here, you know what yep. I mean. Like, I think I lo- just out of necessity because. We were like, well, we're covering the song. <laughs> like, I remember when you were like, hey, there's this song called Hysteria that Muse does. And I can play the part <laughs> on my guitar, so you should be able to play it on bass, right? Same thing. But it was kind of like uh, using my ears mostly. And then anytime you could find a video, you could get glimpses of the actual bass. But no one features the bass player in their video. So it was it was hard. You'd get like a music video or or the best is if you could find concert footage. Yeah. Um, like a DVD of a concert or something. It was a lot of listening. And when it came to, I'm just going to drink now. When it came to like the slap <laughs> type of, I did not know how to do. I had never seen anyone do up close and in person. And so I really had to just start fiddling around with my bass to like, okay, what makes that kind of pop sound what makes Mm -hmm. the like twangy plucky you accidentally make noises sometimes and you kind of remember like oh yeah that's how that noise happens so and then i think i asked a lot of questions i found people that played bass and i just have to ask we did a lot of jazz retreats where you would have the occasional like fusion jazz group there where you'd, you'd see you know the one guy with the six string bass that's yeah. Fucking crazy. And every once in a while, I'd, I'd go to like a Dorsey Music on State Street would have... God, what are they called in the music shops where they have the musicians come in and play? Yeah, like Guitar Center did a whole series of them too. Like It's like a little clinic. Session. Yeah, yeah, yeah like a, a clinic. clinic or a workshop where it's like... Workshop. Day, I think that's... Like exactly. Yeah. And they'd always have somebody come in and just shred and you'd be like, oh, okay. So that's what it looks like. To your point about like not having YouTube and stuff, like you had to go find people that were in your community that were accessible. And then yeah. you just had to corner them sometime. Like, I don't know. I, I know that I, I went to a lot of things at BSU to try to watch like student performances or sometimes like different jazz groups that were there that were part of the university. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, go up and ask the bass player questions. Um, when I came back from the Navy and we started gigging. Yeah, what, when what we started th- gigging. So when I got an opportunity to actually buy my own bass, I went five string because I was so into a lot of like Les Claypool, Primus stuff. I was also just into, I discovered Victor Wooten. He's all right. Like He's all right. I guess not that a five string has anything <laughs> to do with him. Uh, but you know, there's, it was also when I was really into seven string guitars. So for some reason, having an extra low string on Ooh. whatever instrument was just like, that's the cool thing. There's definitely things that you just need a five-string bass for. So I still have that black bass. It's noisy. The preamp inside of it sucks. 
It's shorting <laughs> out a couple of the. I, oh. I need to do some serious like surgery on that thing. Yeah, that was the first bass that I owned. Was that noisy five string SG? I think I don't. I don't even know what the. It's some weird brand too. I had a bass at that time too. I think it was just like a Fender Jazz Squire. You know, like the four hundred dollar cheapest jazz you can get. Still a great bass. Those I are, loved it. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, let's. We're gonna play a game. And then after that, we'll get to a little more uh, tech talk. Slap. So Sven, oh. this is what I'm going to do. There are five options. These are your options. There is God. There is Supreme. There is Good. And then there is Overrated and Never Listen to Them. We won't say never heard of them because you've, I'm sure you've heard of all of them, but maybe never really turned on your listening ears for this specific. So I'm going to name a bass player and you will say... God, supreme, good, overrated, or never listen to them. Okay. All right. Are we ready? I feel like I have. I need a cheat sheet for these. <laughs> no. I got this. I'm going to give you a hint. It's going to be pretty easy. Most of these. God. Are, yeah. Uh, let's start with this guy from Motorhead named Lemmy. Never heard. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> the Ace of Smith. Uh, you know, I good, perhaps supreme, because he can do something I can't. What's that? He can sing at the same time. Ah. I can sing and play guitar. I can sing and play drums. I can sing and play piano. I can sing and play violin. I cannot, for the life of me, sing, especially in time. You did good with backup vocals when we were in a band together. I did okay. It was a struggle. I had to really simplify what I was playing. I think most bass players that aren't like fucking Les Claypool do simplify it when they're singing. <laughs> I think if you're talking Lemmy, I think it's fair to say good while still, I think mm -hmm. people that listen to this podcast regularly would recognize that when we are talking Lemmy as a musician or a dude in a band, he's a god. But if you're talking just strictly yeah. bass player, I think it's fair to say good. Although I will say the fucking bass line Ace of Spades is goddamn perfect. Yeah, that's it too. I think like you have to weigh in not just like, you know, how flashy of a bass player they are, but like do they play the right bass line for the exactly. song? Exactly. Do they do they and fit their band? Lemmy Is their sound uh, right? Of course. And yeah, Lemmy's <laughs> Lemmy. So. Yeah. That's more Okay. Jack Bruce Cream. I think he's good. When you play in a band like Cream and you got someone like Clapton, I'll admit that I'm paying way more attention to guitar stuff. Yeah. So perhaps he might be better than I give him credit for. I'll admit that. But I feel like solid blues rock grooves, solid bass lines, like everything's there. Yeah. Cream was one of those few bands that I absolutely love Cream. But Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker, I... I don't think that they were that amazing. Mm -hmm. Cream was all about the songwriting. Yeah, Ginger and, and Jack, like the, the two of them made a good combo. Yeah. I think the magic was them playing with each other. But I think I would agree. I would say good for both of them, actually. I would say good. Maybe Ginger. Yeah. Ah, I'm not going to. I've got enough hate mail over the last. We're going to. Um, yeah. Yep. Here's one that might set you off for a couple minutes in a good way Bootsy. Bootsy Collins. Oh. This one is hard. I think ultimately I'm going to land on good. Do you think it's the same Lemmy thing? If you're good talking- Good with an asterisk that like he played on things that gave a lot of inspiration to other bass players to kind of keep going. Yeah. So as far as a source for inspiration and a source for like a starting point for, I don't know, a lot of my favorite I'm in awe of bass players all list Bootsy Collins somewhere in their as like influences. Influence. You know. It's Bootsy Collins, baby. Yeah. Part of it, I get distracted by some of the, what I'm going to call cheesiness of his songs and like some of the, Yeah. I don't think it was meant to be cheesy. Maybe it's just the times. It was the times. You know? I mean, you know, say uh, what you want about disco. The bass was very prominent in disco. You had to be yeah. a fucking badass bass player to be in a disco band, man. Absolutely. And disco is <laughs> yeah. hard. I'm not saying Bootsy was disco. I'm just saying that the, the, he kind of came from that era yeah. And he did play a lot of kind of disco-ish type beats. Yeah. For, I his, think dis for his funk as he was. Yeah. Like the 70s disco and 70s funk bass lines are, in my opinion, some of the like the tastiest. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. awesomest mm -hmm. ones mm -hmm. to try to learn mm -hmm. and study. And like, yeah. Disco is so hard to, to play because it's so easy to become repetitive. I don't know. It's, it's an exercise. So far, we're on three goods. 
We are three I have bits. a feeling this one might change, and this might be more of an equipment conversation than a raw talent, although I do think he's uh, ridiculously talented. Wollstenholme. Ooh. Muse. I see what you mean by equipment thing, because he, he is kind of like... Um, he is a sound god. Yeah. He definitely likes to experiment. And I do think he was very ahead of the times of... You know, nowadays we have all these royal blood and we have queens of the stone age doing these crazy overdriven bass things and i think he was doing it yeah pretty long time ago like overdrive stuff the synth bass plugins and like pedals and like he to me he was like the edge of bass because i know like each tour his bass rig evolves and you can look down all the albums like might be on their website i remember looking it up and just seeing what his bass rig 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 was was like Every song, he's got really specific effects, even though sometimes they all sound like they're kind of the same. When we used to cover Muse, I kind of had like the Muse setting. Yeah. Like I knew which toggling a couple of them on and off, I could get close to a lot of his sounds. Aside from the effects, though, I think like his technique is pretty awesome. He's got a strong right hand. Yes. Like he can keep like. Eighth notes going, just dig a 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 you know, just yeah, really good backup singer too. There's another, yep, he can sing while he's doing it, and then just in the style of Muse, like a lot of those like chromatic runs and arpeggios, yeah, the signature Muse thing. So, I mean, he's pretty much playing guitar riffs on bass. I will say Supreme. I think that's fair. I will give him he he's my first Supreme. Now we're going to get to. I'm going to take a guess that this is going to be your first god level, mm. Mr. Claypool. I feel like he needs his own rank. <laughs> Can they, Should there just because be a Les Claypool rank? <laughs> there should, yeah, he is Les Claypool. It, it's not higher and it's not lower than god tier. What the fuck is he doing? Yeah. It sounds awesome. Yeah. He plays stuff that has no pitch. Mm-hmm. My name is Mud is a perfect example of that. That like he'll take the, the entire same verse is just percussion. And when he goes an octave up, you can actually hear the pitch in the notes on like the choruses. You know, like the yep. a little bit, a little bit, but a little bit, a little bit. Slap, slap, hammer on. Oh, gosh, whatever. Drink. <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of drinks. <laughs> that's part of the reason I wanted a five string bass is to be able to get a string that was low and loose enough that when I wanted it to not have a pitch and just make clicky clacky noises, like Fieldy from Corn, Half yep. of the stuff that I love that Claypool plays is like that. Like you hear a lot of clicks and a lot of... Then the other half of the stuff that I love that he does is just his weird intervals. The chords he plays on his bass, you, you can tell he's got like either mm-hmm. this deep love of jazz and I, I feel bad that I didn't study Claypool. Like I'm going to pinpoint... Jerry was a race car driver. You're talking about that. Yeah, and then... He's tapping chords. Yeah. And they are very, very much jazz chords. He loves to, like, that tension and, like, these augmented intervals that... that, Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Like, when you listen to him for the first time, it is kind of like a what the f... Yes. Kind of moment. I'm giving him... So, yeah, I guess... I'm calling him a god. I God. You know what? You know who else I'm calling a god is this fucking band. Could you imagine oh having to be in a band? Like <laughs> I'm not saying having. Yeah. But could you imagine trying to be A a drummer and B even harder a guitar player? Drummer having all the fun in the world, guitar player is like you're you're taking all my <laughs> but parts. I'm like, buddy. what do you want me to play? You're not leaving me anything to play. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine the first time you came to him with my name is Mud? He's like, here's what I'm playing. Okay, so come up with a guitar part for that. It's like I'm what? just gonna like slide around a bunch and make noises, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. It, yeah. And it works. God, Primus is just such a good band. Um, Flea. Flea. I have a soft spot in my heart for Flea. Um, I think most people around our age do. Yeah. He was the first bass player that we all knew and loved. Yes. First one that I remember thinking, when I show up to a gig, that's what I want to deliver. Because he had such a high energy you look at him jumping around like it's short of doing like gymnastics and backflips. The guy's playing bass while getting like a cardio workout. Oh, yeah. And, and still keeping mm-hmm. complete control over his instrument. That to me is so impressive. I don't know that I can put him at God tier, but he's supreme. I think because of the energy he brings, he's got solid technique. I learned a lot from listening and watching and 
absorbing as much as I could from Chili Peppers and from Flea. And the bass lines he writes are so good. And I love that he doesn't overplay. If you listen, like, I think that's what makes Chili Peppers songs so Chili Peppers and not like funk. Jamiroquai like bass. or... Yeah. 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 He knows when it's like time to just finger style, chill. chill. Exactly. It's not about him. It's about the song. I love it. I, I would agree with that. Stefan Lassard, Dave Matthews Band. I learned a lot from him too. I did too. I put him at good. He was young when I first listened to him. He was so well, young. Shit. He joined when the he, band when he was like a teenager, right? He joined the band when he was like 16 or something like that. Yeah. I think he had to get permission to go on tour from his parents or something. Like yeah. He was that young. He was a minor. Yeah. Um, but he was good. And I think it's the perfect bass player for Dave Matthews Band. That's why they can't ever replace him. As long as you've got Carter on drums and Dave Matthews doing Dave Matthews, that's the kind of bass that you need. Yes. Because you don't want someone that's going to step all over Carter's rhythms and things that he puts in with his hi hat stuff. Yep. And like if you had Flea playing bass for the Dave, it wouldn't work. <laughs> like it wouldn't. Yeah. You need someone that can, it, <laughs> yeah. he just fits in. His bass lines are cool. He plays to the song perfectly. Like, every I, song. I would agree. Even his sound, just making sure that his equipment wise, that it's going to fit. I think it is almost a compliment. A bass god. You know what I would love? I don't to think f- he wants to be. I would love to find out that, like, secretly, he's, like, crazy amazing, like, Jocko Pastorius style. I mean, he's been playing with Dave Matthews' band for what? So you know he's... When you travel with a band like that yeah. for 30 years, I bet that he can shred. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure. Speaking of shredding, and I already know what tier this gentleman's going in, Victor Wooten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I've lost more sleep trying to figure out <laughs> Victor Wooten. The guy is a monster musician, just yeah. first of all, just a monster musician. I remember him talking about how he learned to play bass and how he learned to play music. And it was really like his brothers wanted a bass player for their band. They had drums, they had guitar. They So they were like, yeah, here's this little bass when he was like in diapers. And they're like, yeah, you just do this, you do this. And he learned by playing. He learned yep. it the way that people learn languages. If you ever get the opportunity to go to a workshop or a clinic yeah. that Victor Wooten does, or just search on YouTube, he talks about how it really is for him like a language. He learned it the same way that we learn to speak English by being immersed in it and by just having to do it. He's one of the biggest advocates for, you know, like, so what if you don't know music theory? Yeah. Music theory is great to know, but you don't have to know it. You just have to be in the music. So that aside, like, yes, God tier because his speed, yeah, the double thumb thing, which I know he didn't invent, but I feel like no one does it as precisely and rapid fire as he does. Like machine gun fast. Yeah. So many people try to copy that. Unfortunately, he's not well known enough. Just go go listen to Bella Fleck and the Fleck tones. Yeah. Bella Fleck and the Did Fleck you know, tones. I... Future you know, man. I knew that he he had been around at a lot of clinics and stuff like that. I just thought it was happenstance. Did you know he was born in Idaho? I didn't know he was born in Idaho. I knew that he had a connection. He was born in Mountain Home. Oh, we know. I did know that because of the Air Force. Yeah, I didn't. Like I had he was no an idea. Air Force family. It was his dad was in the Air Force or something? I don't know. Someone should fact check that and tell me <laughs> how right or wrong I am. Well, he definitely but, was born in Mountain Home, and and I'd say ninety percent of the people born in Mountain Home, it's because of their Air Force babies. The, the Air, yeah. Our next one, and spoilers, because there's going to be more featuring her in our next episode. So you better watch uh, what tier you put her in, Sven. God tier, God tier, God tier, God. Annie Clements, <laughs> Sugarland, oh. and Marin Morris. The amazing part of Annie, and I think I knew this before we even got to, mm-hmm. to talk to her, which was such a pleasure and honor. Again, when when I talk about like fitting the song, that's literally like what she does. Like she's paid to do, and she does it so well. Like yeah, the the little bit we got to talk to her about like how sh- her process and everything. When you're when you're the touring, you may not have been the studio person. Like a producer made the baseline in the yeah. studio. Her ability to play it just like the record. And then as the tour goes, evolve. She's innovative. Okay, wait. 
edit edit spot. <laughs> Does this come out before? This after comes out <laughs> that before, one? so we don't want to give too much away. God damn it! Okay, there will um, be things that you will get to hear about in our next episode that will will yeah. let you know why she's god tier bass player. I would I would put it that way. Annie invents stuff, <laughs> invents things to make bass yeah. better, and she's just the nicest freaking person i had so much fun talking to her she was so open yeah. and so eager to discuss her passion for the bass is so you know how long has she been doing it and when we interviewed her i it seriously i would have thought it was her first interview she seemed so genuine and excited yeah i've taken my daughter yeah. to see her in august uh with Marin morris and nice. she's already been like yeah well i i want to meet your daughter like she's just she is the coolest. That so is so cool. Yeah, we can't wait and uh, stay tuned next week to hear a little more from Annie Clements. She reminds me of another god tier bassist, Leland Sklar, because dude has like two thousand plus songs under his belt that are not just like yeah, I I played two thousand. I'm talking <laughs> like he he was the guy. If you listen to anything from 1970 to 1980, yeah. we were just talking about how disco basically made bass you know fucking bgs man that's it yeah that's yeah that that was bass and, and leland's played on everything from phil collins to james taylor to toto, toto to jackson brown yeah. to carol king to linda ronstadt anywhere from 1970 to today <laughs> i consider him god tier not because of like he he's not flashy yeah he's the bass player that no one talks about because you just love the song. So that would lead me to another bass player, which is an award namesake, which is basically based around that, hey. which is John Paul Jones. Uh, like my, I don't know, probably second most quoted bass line that I ever play is one of his. Oh. And that's the the ramble on. Boom. Yeah. Boom. 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 Yeah, he's another one of those that, like, musical genius, he thinks about the whole picture, he thinks about the whole song, thinks yeah. about the whole band, and then comes up with something to play that just complements and ties everything together. He's one of those, like, reasons that I like being a bass player. Um, Getty Lee, Rush. Meh. <laughs> That he plays some hard shit, <laughs> and then you've got to go toe to toe with Neil Peart, and he's a lead like, singer. Yeah, and th on top of that, yeah, absolutely. So, God tier because of that. I, I don't know that I need to say that he's much God. more. He's like, God tier. Go he's just go try and play Y Y Z. Just try. <laughs> it. Uh, Ant Whistle, the Who. He, I'm gonna say good. Another example of like that. Blues rock, solid groove. I don't know that I can think of anything that stands to me stands out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to save some face for all of those who fans that I have made so angry in the particularly season one. Because point them all to me. Yeah. Because while and I stand by the fact that I'm just not a big Who fan. I don't think Tommy was a good album. To me, they're a lot like Queen. I don't mm -hmm. think they have great albums. I think they are a good greatest hits band. Ah. Now, where I want to try to turn the corner on you Who fans is that their rhythm section was fucking incredible. And I would definitely put Entwistle in, at the very least, the supreme tier, if not God. Even when I turn on The Who and I'm like, meh. I mean, there are still Who songs I love. But when I, even when I'm listening to Who and I'm like, meh, I can always just drown everything out except for Moon or Ent Whistle and be like, holy shit, this is incredible. I so, would almost bump him up to Supreme just because he had to deal with Keith Moon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when your drummer is liable to blow up his drum set. The most unreliable and incredible drummer ever, probably. It goes back to saying like he probably had to do a lot of that, like I am the heartbeat of the song. Um, Sting. Sting. Now here's a he's a guy that could play and sing. Another, another thing I mm -hmm. ragging on myself for. You know, I don't know that I've I've paid way more attention to his lyrics and to him singing than I have. It's a hard one. His, I mean, it's it's not bad. Like I don't think I haven't ever like felt one way or another about his bass playing. You know how what you said at the beginning about with bass, you kind of tend to have to lay back yeah. if you're going to start singing. I feel that way about Sting. 
But I think that worked to the benefit of the yeah. police's songs. He laid back so that he could sing. He let the rest of the band just do the insane shit. And not to say that Sting wasn't a great bass player, but I agree. I think he laid back a lot. You know, if you listen to like Message in a Bottle or um, really anything that they did, yeah. Can't Stand Losing You, his bass lines are very simple, but they're always there. It's always reliable. And it's it's almost like rhythm guitar. Yeah. And this is kind of the same boat that I feel like Stefan Lassard is in. Like when you've got a drummer like Stuart Copeland. And a guitarist like Summers. Yeah, you kind of, you want to let them have some space. I think that's one of the things that made the police great and unique was the amount of space they let their songs have. Like, think about the song, like, Roxanne. Yeah. And the bass just is boom, boom, boom. Or like Walking on the Moon. Just one guitar, bling, and then the bass, do, do, do. Yeah. Good job, Sting. Why the fuck did you leave the police, you stupid idiot? Um, <laughs> I'm interested to hear your answer on this one. For me, it's automatic, God tier, no questions asked. How silly that you would even think of a different one. But I'm huh. interested to hear your I'm take. curious now. Paul McCartney. Oh, like God tier like for a bass player, not just because yeah, he's Paul you know, McCartney. You look at some of the bass lines that he wrote in the 60s, uh-huh. especially since he was singing too. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. I think, you know, you look at the bass lines for the simple songs, like the like I Want to Hold Your Hand and, and then getting to like Taxman. God damn, he was, yeah, he was good, man. Yeah, come together. Plus he was in the Beatles. Are... I don't know if you knew, but he's from the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say, like God tier because he was in the Beatles and got like... <laughs> yeah. More than a third of the writing credits. Like, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know how that's split between. It's weird that I always forget that he played bass. When I listen to the Beatles, I'm not watching the Beatles. I'm listening to the yeah. Beatles. So his bass is so iconic. <laughs> like Everybody wants that damn yeah. thing. John and Paul could play anything. Yeah. So I think there's also, like, you're used to, yeah, Paul was a bass player, but you saw him play guitar. You saw him play drums. You saw him oh, play yeah. fucking he plays piano all the play, time. Yeah, he plays like, multi. Yeah. I don't know that I'd put him at God tier on bass. Okay, I'll, I'll go Supreme. Chris Squire. Yes. Um. He's a supreme for sure. I think he's a supreme. I I think that's a perfect. I think, I think a, that's a lot of rating. bands from that era, the bass players had to do a lot of work, so they had to be like yes. you. You got fired if you weren't at least supreme. I completely agree with that. One bass player that you've already mentioned that I consistently am convinced that they change the uh, pronunciation of once a year. Uh, Jacko, Jacko Pastorius. I've always said Jacko. Weather Jacko, report Jacko, and uh, Pastor, Pastorius. Okay, uh, ranking first off, I'll just rank him as God tier. If you're going off just pure talent, yeah, he's, he has to be a God. And also, he's a perfect example of if someone's looking to really up their bass chops and they don't know what to practice and they're sick of like, well, this scale and that scale and these mm. are. Go and play a bebop line or two. Go find some bebop charts and learn that on your yeah. bass. Jocko Pastorius doing Donna Lee, the Charlie Parker. I I love it because I was a sax player. And the first time I heard it played on bass, I was like, that's insane. But when you think about it, even if you don't learn the whole darn thing, if the phrasing and the way that you have to voice it, it's the best finger exercises ever. Incredible, not just because he was such a phenomenal jazz player that he could play like lead saxophone lead <laughs> charts, that driving kind of like he he was fast. He's one of those guys you can tell practices bass every yeah. day of his life for like five hours. Nobody is going to out practice that yeah. dude. And he didn't practice it like he was a bass player practicing bass. How do I get better? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking, so I'm going to skip around and go to this artist because you're bringing up bebop and, and everything. And I think this is the perfect time. James Jamerson. He did basically every baseline for any Motown album in the 60s and early 70s. You think Motown. Unfortunately, half of you probably yeah. don't know this guy's name. But you, yeah. you have heard him. A lot of the bass lines that you're familiar with, I'm going to go Supreme just because of his influence. What Becomes the Broken Hearted, Take Me in Your Arms, What's Going On, Bernadette, uh, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, yeah. Reach Out, I'll Be There, Ain't Too Proud to Beg. I mean, 
Yeah. <laughs> Do you love he me? Was, like basically to me, <laughs> he was like, "Are you fucking kidding?" He me? carried the <laughs> Willie Dixon torch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've only got a couple more. Billy Sheehan, Steve Vai, David Lee Roth. I feel like I can't appropriately rank him because in every single example. I was way more focused on guitar. Yes. Not appreciative, I guess. So I'm going to say good, but I'd love someone to change my mind. The reason why I would put him at the very least supreme is because in a time where bass players were supposed to just lay back, he was courting, he was two-handed tapping, he was three-finger picking. He was in these groups with like Steve Vai and David Lee Roth and these people that were like, hey, I am the man. You guys get back there and just fucking do your thing. He was doing these amazing bass things in these songs where if you really, if you turn them on and you listen to just the bass, which is hard to do with all the extra crap that was going on in some of those songs, he was doing unbelievably incredible things. I've got two more. So Carol Kay, she was from Everett, Washington. She played everything. She's the the godmother of bass. If you don't know who Carol Kay is, again, one of these people that probably only half of you have ever heard of, just go learn about Carol Kay. How many female bass players came from the 60s and the 70s and the 50s? The answer answer is none. I'll admit kind of embarrassingly that I don't know that I don't know a lot about Carol other than like knowing that she has recorded a ton, like thousands and thousands of recordings. Yeah, I mean, it's um, really... Uh, and I feel really bad because I'm like, I, I was just like championing Leland Sklar for a lot of the same stuff that I feel like maybe Carol Kay gets credit for too. Well, and that's what she's most known. She's most known for uh, working with Quincy Jones and working with uh, Phil Spector. So that immediately, mm-hmm. you, you automatically know she's she was a session player. But if you are a session player for Quincy Jones and Phil Spector, that means that you played with the best artists that there have ever been. So I think she's like 85 by now. She was born in the 30s. So she was playing from the mid-50s till, you know. But yeah, this is more of a, an homage pick unfortunately i think a lot of listeners won't know who carol Kay is and i don't know that much about her other than she's a bass god who was a the session crew player right like for... she, she she was one of the yeah the, the 60s rhythm section that was on like every studio yeah everything that came out with the wall of sound yeah. she was the bass player for okay i have one more for you sven it's a very serious one serious tb player from the wonders what the f- like the movie? Did you ever see that thing you do? Yeah, the Oneaters. I don't know if you remember this or not, but this is a perfect call to how underappreciated bass players are. Did you know that their bass player in the movie never had a name? He was credited as TB Player. <laughs> the bass player. Wow. They never name him. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> TB Player from the Oneaters. I almost feel like that is like a underhanded insult to Paul McCartney because didn't that whole movie kind of like shadow or they alluded to a lot uh i mean not maybe not the i mean story, i don't though, think the beatles were one hit wonders no they weren't <laughs> they have proof i yeah. just love that movie i, I haven't seen that movie either. in a long time yeah that's our game i've got one more question for you sven and then we're gonna take yes. a break and we're gonna come back with a couple more things who is or was the best bass player in metallica is it mcgovney is it cliff burton is it Newstead or is it Robert Trujillo? Okay. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. We are back. Sven, yes. have you had time to think about who your favorite Metallica bass player is? I have to say, hands down, Jason Newstead, just because that's who I listened to on all. When I was going through my Metallica phase, that's who played bass, and that's to me the bass player from Metallica, and no one else can play root notes as well as Jason. Yeah. So I think that is probably the right answer for people of our age. You know, I got to say, I there's something about Robert Trujillo that I really, really fucking love. I, I loved Newstead. 
I, I love McGovney, Cliff Burton, but I yeah. shockingly, I did their current bass player. It, I just love him. Yeah. He's <laughs> he's so cool. Yeah, Sven, if suddenly tomorrow we get forty thousand downloads a day and we're signed to Spotify for a five million dollar for three year contract, and I give you about four percent of that. Sounds about right. <laughs> so you are essentially rich tomorrow. What base setup are you buying? I guess I've always dreamed of having a 70s P base or I don't know. You know, I'm not a huge gearhead when it comes to base. I like to tinker and there's times where I have used a lot of effects and a lot of processing but really, you don't have to have like a $5,000 bass to sound good. It's better that you know how to set up your bass, whatever yeah. price point it came in at, if you know how to set it up. YouTube bass players. YouTube bass players. So I'm assuming you're a big YouTube bass player mm -hmm. guy. To a point, yeah. I think YouTube musicians, for the most part, are doing a great job with connecting talent with other yeah. talent. It's a different way for kids to, you know, our generation, we would hang out in our rooms trying to be a rock band, wanting to play good enough to be a rock band. Now they're sitting in their rooms wanting to be able to challenge each other on TikTok yeah. or YouTube, both things that are going to motivate you to be better. It's fun to watch. It's fun to see. When we were talking about how I was learning bass lines back when, when we were in high school and stuff, like... Oh my God, if we would have had Scott's Bass Lessons YouTube channel <laughs> yeah. back then, yeah. like seriously, if I would have had that tool yeah, when I was in high school, man. <laughs> it's great. What was I watching while I was studying for this? He's an Italian dude, younger guy, Davey 504. Davey 504, he's slapping the bass. He, he, that drink, he does this thing where he picks a country and he's trying to find the amazing bass players in one country. And then he'll yeah. quote unquote challenge when really what he's doing is he is showcasing all these other bass players, giving them, he yeah. is this incredibly generous guy who has found this sneaky way to introduce you to these incredible bass players from Japan. Crazy how many of them are like little girls from Japan that shred. Crazy. <laughs> crazy he's funny he's self-deprecating it's all super tongue-in-cheek i am so impressed with that channel that he has yeah if you've ever i got a chance to see what he's like not in that character and mm. it is a mind trip he is just like this smiley goofy he can he's shy and can hardly he just giggles and like is the happiest really but you look at him <laughs> on a channel and he plays this straight face like serious like almost like a now borat challenge you but like, yeah, yes yeah. <laughs> yeah all right sven you ready for game two game two let's do it great greater greatest great great graders i am going to name you three songs from one band and you have to rank them great, greater, greatest. Ooh, okay. Primus. Jerry was a race car driver. Mm -hmm. My name is Mud. Mm. John the Fisherman. Ah, great, greater, greatest. Son of a bitch. I'm saying my name is Mud, great. Jerry was a race car driver, greater. John the Fisherman, greatest. That's my personal pick. I think John the Fisherman is one of the best rock songs ever freaking based up. The slap of the bass. Base. Oh. I'm doing the exact opposite with Jerry's a race car in the middle still. Okay. But putting my name is Mud at top. Mud um, number one. My name is Mud just because of he takes the same damn thing and makes it so versatile. Like, how can you play the same thing? Yeah. And make it sound so different. Muse. Hyper music. Mm. Hysteria. Plug in baby. Ooh. I'm going hyper music great. Hysteria greater, plug-in baby greatest. I, there's something about that that verse bass. It's not as amazing as Hysteria, but the yeah. bam ba yeah. that he's doing in the verse of plug-in baby just it's one of my favorite bass lines ever. I uh, yeah, I'm going hyper then plug-in then Hysteria, and I think the only reason I put Hysteria at the top is that it makes your hands freaking hurt. Chris even says this, like, yeah. <laughs> like it makes your hands hurt, It's, all, it's amazing. Like, it, I agree. Oh. The Who. Okay. Who are you, my generation, and the real me? 
I'm going in reverse order. Real me, generation. We almost said the exact same thing. I'm going, I'm actually going just like that. I'm going, who are you great? My generation greater, the real, real me greatest. greatest. And so, and you said the opposite of that. I said, yeah. Yep. Okay. Next, we've got Primus. American Life, those damn blue collar tweakers, Tommy the Cat. We're we doing Primus twice? We might do them three times. We'll see. Oh my goodness. Okay, wait. Which <laughs> ones are these now? American Life. Okay. Those damn blue collar tweakers. Okay. Hey, baby, do you want to lay down with me? Hey, baby, do you want to lay down by my side? Hmm. I'm going to go those damn blue collar tweakers and then American Life. And I, I do think them damn blue collar tweakers is probably a better baseline. But there's something about that American Life intro, that that triple, triple, tri- that I just love it. And then Tommy the Cat, I'm doing greatest because it's Tommy the Cat. Yeah, I'm close. Final answer for me, blue collar, then American, then Tommy. That's exactly what I said. Tool, Schism, Ooh. Ooh. 46 and 2, Lateralist. Mm. This is a hard one. They're all pretty freaking equal, dude. I'm going to say Lateralist is great. No, 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 no. Okay, Actually, you know what? Like... I'm not. I'm going to do 46 and 2 is great. Lateralist is greater. Schism is greatest. I think Schism is one of my favorite bass lines of all time. Yeah, it's probably like the most recognizable. That intro is... So is 46 and... Yeah. I think I'm starting with Lateralist. Yeah, Lateralist, 46 and 2, Schism. Awesome. Uh, Beatles, mm. Taxman. Mm. Come together and paperback writer. Paperback, tax man, then come together. Understandable. I'm saying paperback, come together, tax man. All right, we've got Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hmm. We've got Give It Away. We've got Higher Ground. And we've got By the Way. By the Way. Uh, I'm going to say give, By the Way, Give It Away, then Higher Ground. But Give It Away I, is so iconic. It is. Makes me want to get a little drink of water. God, this is hard. I would do I would do by the way higher ground give it away. You wouldn't put higher ground at the It's I, not Stevie. Like I love it. Okay, next we have Primus. <laughs> Frizzle Fry, Spaghetti Western, and Winona's Big Brown Beaver. I would do Frizzle Fry, great, Winona's Big Brown Beaver greater, and Spaghetti Western I'm, greatest. Yeah. So I'm I'm similar in that Spaghetti Western's the top. I'm going Winona's Big Brown Beaver, then Frizzle Fry then spaghetti at the top two more ah. rage wake up bullet in the head take the power back those all are fairly on par for me with each other i'll say uh wake up great take the power back greater bullet in the head greatest you had said what was the baseline that you had said that you tend to end up doing all the time like you in warm-ups or or Bullet in the head is always the one for me. Anytime I pick up the bass, I end up going. I always end up doing that. Um, Let's see. Bullet in the head, wake up, then take the power back. That's just today, though. It's understandable. <laughs> Last but not least, we have Zeppelin. Dazed and confused. Good times, bad times. The lemon song. Mm. I'll go Days Confused is great, which Days Confused is is incredible, but it's not it's not like it's a hard baseline. It just like we talked about yeah. with John Paul Jones, just fits so perfectly into the song. And then I'll go the Lemon Song and then Good Time, Bad Time. I'm going Lemon Song, Good Time, Bad Time, then Days and Confused is my top. I have a thing about chromatic awesome. walks. Like it's just something that like uh that's my favorite scale. Yeah. I love it. All right. One more game. I like games. This or that. You have to choose which one over which. Oh, damn it. I like games, but I hate choosing. Yeah, you're not going to like this one at all. All right, Sven, Sabotage or Lounge Act? Sabotage. Me too. I love Lounge Act. I love Chris. We haven't talked about Chris yet. One of the most underrated bass players ever. Somehow, even though he's in one of the most popular bands ever. Totally. Still incredibly underrated that, bass that's player. Not, I, that's a good bass line. It's probably not the one that everyone thinks of, though, when they think Nirvana. Sabotage is underrated, too. People don't think of it as a bass song. It's because it's Beastie Boys. They think, you know, samples and, and hip-hop. It was a rock song. Driving bass is what that is, and it's awesome. Side note, my favorite version of that song was when Fish covered it. I did, I've never heard it. Yeah. All right, Sven. Ace of Spades or Another One Bites the Dust? Oh, fuck. I'm going Ace of Spades all day. All day. I, then I'm going to go Another One Bites the Dust because honestly, like, tied, <laughs> but I feel like I need... 
also because another one bites the dust is one of those every rehearsal that I've played bass in with a group of people. If I just all of a sudden start going bump, 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 it's like yeah. the thing that every high school pep band bass player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wood by Allison Chains or Jesus Christ Pose by Soundgarden. Wood. I don't even have to ha- like. Yeah. The opening to that song. Yeah. That's so chunky. And it just is. Driving and chunky. It's it. it's such a good bass song. Peace Cells by Megadeth or Money by Pink Floyd. Money. I think with like five four. Like I love the, yeah. the odd times and like you know the boom boom da boom boom boom. boom it is great. I think I'd go money too, but it's I think it's harder for me than it was for you because I love Peace Cells. Um, National Anthem by Radiohead or Feel Good by the Gorillas. National Anthem. Me too. Although I do like Feel Good. Like I, I love Feel Good, but National Anthem, it, it's kind of like the wood factor. It's this super dirty, gritty, yeah. kind of downward scaling off. I just love it. It's so good. Yeah. I get you. All right, last one. Roundabout by Yes or YYZ? YYZ, yeah. I'm going Yes. Roundabout is such a good bass line, dude. Uh, and I love Rush. It's hard for me to say no to YYZ, but these are some hard uh, this or that's, man. Getty Lee is somewhere crying. God, now. Getty Lee is the man. You. He really is. <laughs> and he gets hired for like everything, too, outside of his own damn band. He got hired for like all sorts of freaking studio shit he's earned sorry. it. sorry do you have a most overrated bass player of all time most overrated mm-hmm. this is gonna sound really weird I, because i just ranked him as god tier but victor wooten oh wow i did not see that coming like he's fucking incredible do you think it's just because automatic people hear victor wooten they automatically think best bass player of all time it's just kind of i think so I, I, I think I can, it's because people pass the judgment because of the infamy of his name. He's a leader in a lot of ways in the bass world. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people put him on a pedestal before they learn how good he actually is. Like He's uh, just automatically there. No, I do. I absolutely get that. I'm actually going to say, and I don't know how many record scratches I'm going to get for this, but I think I'd say Flea. Yeah. And that's not, I love Flea. I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I think Flea is an amazing bass player. But I think, kind of like you just said, people hear Flea and they think, oh, you know, best bass player ever. Yeah. He's he's not. He's an incredibly proficient funk player. His energy is off the charts. I would give anything to be in a band with him, but I don't think he's as good as his namesake claims to be. That's all fair. Do you have a favorite bass solo? Or bass song of all time? I don't really, because I bass solos are awesome. I love listening to them. I don't know that I ever think like it should get like a all time feature kind of a status. Maybe, mm-hmm. and this is probably unfair to all the fellow bass players out there, because yeah, you're important, but also remember your job. <laughs> like, yeah. um, Joe Dart's one of those that I found has found a way to like he'll solo, he'll keep the groove under his thumb the entire time he's one of the ones that that does a really good job with that marcus miller is another one of those too yeah i think uh marcus miller is awesome we haven't there's a lot we haven't talked about we can't get to every bass player marcus miller tony levin thundercat yeah. charles mingus steve harris we uh, there's a lot of bass players that we just you can't get to all of them you guys give us a break for crying out loud last question sven it's very important when you slap at a bass when you play air bass, when a sick, tasty bass line comes on in your living room and you're just playing air bass, how do you play it? Do you play it low? Ooh. Do you play it up at your chest? I play on my thigh. On your thigh? I play like two fingers on my thigh. That's how I air bass I think it. I'm like lower. Sometimes if I'm really frisky, I'll be up on my chest. Yeah. Slapping. I'm not that high. I'm more but, like lower rib cage. Kind of where I like to keep my bass. I, I, I'm one of those people that I don't like a really low strap. I keep my bass not like super high, but see, I like the Tom Morello-ish. Like I want to be way up there. Yeah. I, I guess that's it. I just I do whatever feels <laughs> natural. I guess. <laughs> it's these questions. It's these questions that matter, ladies and gentlemen. And that's it for the bass episode. We'll have another one someday. We'll bring a bass player on and talk to them. In fact, I think we'll bring a bass player on for our next episode and talk to her. 
That's a great idea. Annie Clements is on next week. She is, she's the shit. Yo, yeah. You will love that episode. Versecourseverse.com at versecourseversepod. This was a super fun episode. I hope all you bass players and non-bass players out there liked it. Sven, yeah. I've seen you like three weeks Dude, in a row, man. I'm gonna miss you. If we, I, I know that like I'm going off rotation for a little bit here, but like I, you know, this has been yeah. It's your turn to disappear for go a be a months. ghost for a while. And... <laughs> hey, yeah. maybe uh, I'll go work on some uh, music that uh, you and I are working on. I would love that. I still have to bug you about promos once a week, so no worries. Of course. Thank you for listening. You are our favorite people. Slap a like button. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I'm what, not a, I'm not as I don't know what Davey. you slap for the. We have we have so many drinks. Follow. All right, that's it. <laughs> that's it, everybody. <laughs> good night and good luck. <laughs>